Hey friends, welcome to the League of Josh podcast. In today's episode, I'm going to be talking to Dr. Chris Montoya. Uh, I've been in a few of Chris's classes, and I've had to write multiple papers on the negative effects of marijuana. So with, uh, with the new legalization and how things are coming into play, it seems like there's a lot of positive stuff going around. I think that there are quite a few negative implications to smoking marijuana. So I wanted to do a little bit something on uh, bring, bringing light to those negatives and kind of balancing everything out a little bit. So I hope you guys enjoy. I really enjoyed this episode. Thanks. The main focus of this, obviously, is because I think the legalization of cannabis has it's created a little bit of a shift in the, the perception of safety regarding smoking marijuana. And I think it's kind of been a little bit of a paradigm shift from it being really, really bad in the 20th century and now in the 21st century. Everyone thinks it's this awesome drug that cures cancer and has all these miracle cures. And I'd like you to clear that up a little bit because I think that uh, I think that people need to have an education on what they're doing to make an informed decision. Okay, so um, my name is Chris Bontoya, and I'm a senior lecturer at Thompson Rivers University. Um, I got my undergrad at University of Lethbridge, uh, BSc there. I did my MSc, PhD, University of Calgary. I did my postdoc research in the area of stem cell. Uh, we at the University of Cambridge, England, uh, Downing College. Came to a smaller town, Kamloops, to raise my family. But when we came here in 1990, um, the pulp mill smell was really bad. So we didn't like the pollution. Uh, I used to get headaches from it. So we uh, put in for a transfer to Williams Lake, a satellite campus. Mm -hmm. And I was up there for 24 wonderful years and uh, got to raise my family. Uh, my son now is a chief medical resident in Prince George. My daughter is a lawyer in town, has her own law office. So that worked really well for us. I've been teaching at Tom's River Zone for 28 years. Um, the question is to marijuana. I think we'll talk about cigarettes first. Okay, I'm just gonna close the door real quick. Okay. It's loud and I think that's your background noise. Okay. Sorry about that. No problem. And so we'll talk about cigarettes first. And uh, in the 1950s, of course, uh, I love the advertisements you see in the, you know, nine out of 10 doctors prefer camel cigarettes. <laughs> I would walk a mile for a camel. And uh, the camel cigarettes at the time had a fairly low um, nicotine content. And uh, nicotine, you can see it as a nootropic. It actually makes you smarter for a little while. It drives the acetylcholine system in the brain. Um, but of course, it had dangerous side effects, uh, cancer in the long run if you had a predisposition to cancer, mm -hmm. right? And so um, people like the Marlboro Man, of course, who died at 72 uh, from uh, COPD, which was, I would say, caused by the amount of cigarettes he smoked. But he still lived to be 72, right? COPD is. COPD. Uh, Kimberly? Chronic obstructive pulmonary disease. That's right. Kimberly's my co-author. She has a bit of problem chatting sometimes, but she also has a degree in nursing. Okay, and so that, that's gonna it's gonna file up, file up your lungs, right? Yeah. And so uh, what what the cigarette companies did in the fifties and sixties was to increase the nicotine content to increase addiction. Now they'll deny this, but uh, what they do is they uh, what's called GMO, right? Genetically right. Uh, modified organisms. And so we take it something like a nicotine plant and we just keep breeding it so it gets higher and higher nicotine content and you get these really loyal uh, cigarette smokers. Now, if you look at what happened with marijuana, 
the ditch weed, the stuff that Cheech and Chong smoked back in the 1960s, 1.5% THC by weight. Something happened, you know. <laughs> um, now, hydroponically grown, um, genetically modified, uh, BC bud has over 30% THC in some of the strains. Uh, and that was done purposely too, just like with cigarettes. Uh, they didn't have to reinvent the wheel there to make more people addicted to this drug. And so now if you start uh, smoking as a teenager and you continue on into your 20s and 30s, there's a 50% addiction rate to marijuana. And when I'm talking about this stuff, I'm, I'm quoting people like Volkow in 2014, New England Journal of Medicine. So what I, what I quote are peer-reviewed international journals of science. And um, as a scientist, I stand on those journals, right? And so I'm not just... How do we say it? Do not confuse your blog search with uh, a peer-reviewed international journal or someone's PhD. Don't right. do that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So we see a 20-fold increase in the strength of marijuana. And uh, Volkow et al. 2014 suggests, or almost states, that this is why um, hospitalizations due to marijuana have surpassed heroin <laughs> which is scary, and are now catching cocaine admissions to emergency wards. Okay, mm -hmm. and usually they come to emergency wards because they have a psychotic break. Right. Uh, well, you have a neurosis. You know something's wrong. Psychosis. You're just gone. You have a total break from reality. And and it's one thing for the uh, phytochemicals, that's plant-based ones that have been GMO genetically modified, but now uh, pharmaceutical companies. Um, have actually created synthetic marijuana, which is another 30 times stronger than BC Bud, which is this now a 600-fold increase in strength from the stuff that Chief and Chong's lit up with. And that was responsible for the first marijuana overdose, if I'm correct. Well, yes and no. Uh, a lot of people don't know there have been six in Colorado, and uh, I think Colorado and California, overdoses due to marijuana, mm -hmm. but edibles. And so you start eating these edibles, and oh, those are yummy. <laughs> you have four or five, <laughs> you should only have one, right? Yeah. But can you stop at one cookie? Can you stop at one brownie? Well, the unfortunate thing with edibles is because it's on a fuse, a yes. lot of people will take it, and then half an hour later they'll go, oh, well, I'm not feeling it. I think I'll take a few more. And then two hours after that, they're laying face down drooling. Well, <laughs> not, not just that. Uh, marijuana creates what, Kimberly? Reliable? Tachycardia. And what is tachycardia? beats way too fast. Way too fast, 170 plus beats a minute. Now, if you're a top flight athlete, mm -hmm. right, and you're just sitting around doing this, maybe you're going to get through this okay, but you're going to do the sweat thing and you're going to do the, oh my God thing, <laughs> the pressure on the chest <laughs> thing, because it lasts for 45 minutes, right? If you have any kind of heart condition, you get this reliable tachycardia going, you're going to die of cardiac related problems, which may not be attributed to marijuana. Right. Yeah. Or worse, if you're, if you've smoked up and then you go play a nice sport, <laughs> those two things will synergize. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Very interesting. Very interesting. It's kind of like uh, kids that are on ADHD. Uh, they, they have uh, attention deficit hyperactive disorder and they take uh, Ritalin uh, to dial them in. Mm -hmm. Well, Ritalin's an upper. And so if these kids go running in a race after they're on the Ritalin, that can synergize too. So every once in a while you see a 12 year old, 14 year old die. Mm -hmm. It's because of synergy of what's going on. So they say, well, do people don't die of marijuana overdoses. Well, yes, they do, synthetic ones. 
Um, yes, they do edible ones. Uh, yes, they do. It, it, can, it can synergize together and cause a death. And so the deaths we look at sometimes um, are traffic-related deaths. And so of all the illicit drugs, uh, the most reliable drug uh, that's illicit that causes uh, motor vehicle accidents is? Alcohol, I would assume. Illicit drug. Illicit. Would mar be marijuana. Marijuana. That's right. And most people, of course, are, they're not just pure marijuana smokers. They smoke marijuana and drink alcohol, which right. synergizes and makes it much worse. Mm -hmm. And so uh, it actually limits your peripheral vision. So you're driving along and you're driving slow because you think the world's going really fast because you're... Whereas nicotine, here's, I always tell my students this in class. I said, when you get pulled over by the police, do they say, have you been smoking cigarettes? Have you been drinking coffee? And that's drugged, right? But they don't ask that question. Why not? Because those things make you smarter. Those that's things right. dial you in. They are enhancers. They are performance enhancers. They don't ask you that. Marijuana is not a performance enhancer. It decreases your performance. Yeah, it's a depressant. That's why they call people stupid stoners. Mm -hmm. Okay? Because all of a sudden, what? What'd you say? Uh, huh? <laughs> and uh, a lot of people think the stoners are nice. Uh, stoners aren't nice. Stoners are nice when they're stoned. If you have any friends that are stoners and they have to go off the weed for a couple of days, how are they? Get irritable. Irritable. Yeah. <laughs> now we could call it irritable. Yeah. It's like an alcoholic. You know, it's like an alcoholic who stops drinking. He yeah. gets really irritable. Mm -hmm. And you have uh, alcoholics now and stoners that you know try to c cut down for a while. They get extremely, uh, I would say, irritable. Well, yes. it seems like the withdrawal is a little bit different. It seems like with marijuana, the withdrawal is more psychological, and with alcohol, the withdrawal is more physiological. Well, here it is. Uh, Kimberly, do, do drugs change the basic morphology of the cerebral cortex? Does it change your brain? Yes. Yes. So a lot of people say that, oh, marijuana is psychological. No. Marijuana will change the, the way that your brain wires. Mm -hmm. You have the saying in uh, neurology that... Cells that fire together? Wire together. Wire together. That's what you're taking the courses. Yeah. <laughs> and so, uh, and it's not just the brain is plastic. And this is where a lot of people fall short. The brain is competitively plastic. Mm -hmm. And so, <clears throat> if I study mathematics, well, in that part of my brain that's into it, parietal lobe or, or frontal, whatever you're doing, um, if it's linear or nonlinear, if it's yeah, imaginary, whatever, uh, right. mathematics. And spatial like, recognition. Spatial yeah. recognition, yeah. if you're into geometry and things. Um, that part of the brain will get wired more mm -hmm. at the expense of something else. Right. Okay. If you're an English major and you're reading about blank verse, I make pentameter of William Shakespeare or heroic couplets, you know, um, then that part of your brain will be wired again at the expense of. And people don't seem to realize that. And so academics, uh, I've done this in my classes a lot. I'll just put my hand over my mouth. And that's what the class sounds like. Now, if you did this in high school and you stopped talking, what would, it ha what would happen to the classroom, do you think? Absolute anarchy. Anarchy. <laughs> the, 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 the volumes are and ramping up because their forebrains, <laughs> their prefrontal cortex hasn't myelinated. The prefrontal cortex is the very front part of your brain. Uh, and the neocortex, of course, is the last one to evolve evolutionarily. But this one doesn't myelinate until you're 25 years old for males, 23 years old for females. Right. Okay. Now, that means that females, of course, will be more mature 
earlier than guys. Well, we know this already. Uh, if I'm looking for a babysitter, a 15-year-old babysitter, do I want a guy or a girl? Girl. <laughs> That's such a sexist thing to say. <laughs> because their brains are, are more mature. Right. Okay? Now, so your, 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 your brain is maturing, and you're starting to smoke marijuana at 15, 16 years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, some start at 12, which is, just, is unfortunate. Um, 12 years old, uh, 15 years old, 17 years old. The competitive plasticity part in the brain will drive pleasure centers at the expense of, guess what? Other things, other pleasures. Not other pleasures, expensive? What do you suppose, Kimberly? I'm thinking frontal lobes. Frontal lobes, let's talk about motivation. They call this, and this is what Volkow calls uh, a motivational syndrome. Mm-hmm. They're not motivated to study anymore. They're not motivated to work anymore. What are they motivated for, do you think? Smoking. Smoking dope. That's right. Uh, I've had alcoholic friends that uh, tried to. They thought it was a great game to use just the word beer all day long. (laughs) See, if you get long, just talking about beer. 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 (laughs) And why is that? Because their brain was organized a certain way. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, once after you're 25, after malization has occurred, the damage will not be as great. But uh, other papers... And if you're interested in reading these papers about um, the, the harms of this drug, then I can send them to you, these peer-reviewed international journals, at, just email me at cmontoya at tru.ca, and I'll email these journal uh, articles to you so you can talk to your friends about the damage you're doing to your brain. I think I have all of these. Yes. <laughs> and i got to add this, you stupid stoners. <laughs> no, the, the university said if I use stupid stoner too much, then it becomes a pattern. But stupid stoner, if you think about it, it's not sexist. No, it's not. It's not racist. It's not ageist. It's, it's almost cliche. It's almost like a cliche. <laughs> and so uh, are we really, you know, in our, in our new millennium, uh, are we really actually doing something wrong by saying stupid stoner? Mm-hmm. Well, I was looking into it, um, and it was actually THC more prominently than CBD. They're completely different. So THC is the psychoactive component of marijuana, right? Um, which affects your CNS a little bit more, which is your central nervous system, your brain, spinal cord. Um, and that, that affects your hippocampus quite a bit. And it creates shrinkage in your hippocampus. I think that was that was in one of the journals you gave me. That's right. Uh, if you look at Downer uh, at all, then Downer will talk about in the rat model. Mm-hmm. Okay, it causes um, DNA fragmentation. Kimberly, what's DNA for? DNA is for coding for proteins within the body. Absolutely. And so you now shattered your DNA, which which take it from me. It's, it's as bad as it sounds. It's not a good thing, okay? It also stops uh, synapses from connecting in rats. Uh, uh, and, and then neurons that don't wire together or don't fire together don't wire together, so they don't make connections. They just die off. Right. Not a good thing. And the reason I bring it up with rat, the rat models, because I go to the schools and I talk about uh, anti-drug uh, programs and why drugs are bad for you, and marijuana is one of them. And I got this hand go up in the back, and it was, it was a person who was a stoner. And I get nudged by the, one of the teachers. Stoner, he goes, <laughs> don't worry about it. So Dr. Montoya, you said that marijuana was a gateway drug. I said, yes. Said, I, I disagree. Good. I said, I like disagreement. I like questions. What's your mm-hmm. question? He says, well, my mom gave me cow's milk, and now I smoke marijuana. I think cow's milk is a gateway drug. 
I love that. I laughed. I go, that is a brilliant question. I said, I love the way you think. I said, I know someone set you up to say that, but I like the question because <laughs> he wouldn't have thought of it on his own. And so he's what? He's 17 years old, right? It's, you know, he can do it on his own. And he's smoking marijuana. And so I go, that's why we have animal models. I said, we denied our rats cow's milk. <laughs> and when they... We forced them to smoke marijuana by putting it in a cage. Uh, they then preferred water with heroin or water with cocaine afterwards. Right, and it creates epigenetic changes that epigenetic changes that go across generations. Mm-hmm. And the paper we look at here is by um, Yasmin and uh, 2016, where they show that. And, and here it comes. Uh, sometimes you don't have to actually destroy your DNA; it doesn't have to shatter it. DNA can stay the same. But what parents do in their life here will turn it on and off certain genes. And that pattern of genes being turned it off, uh, on and off will go across generations. And so with these rats that we, I feel sorry for them in a way, rats and monkeys and other creatures we do this to. But uh, <clears throat> we actually pump the marijuana smoke into the cage so the mother who's pregnant has to smoke this. Mm-hmm. And we only have to pump it in for a couple of weeks and uh, because gestation is shorter for rats. <clears throat> and so the mother gives birth. Her offspring prefer marijuana and heroin and cocaine more so than controls, mm-hmm. whose mothers didn't, weren't forced to smoke marijuana. But more importantly, their offspring, the next generation, that's the epigenetic effect, comes back and they'll prefer the opiates, that kind of stuff, right? And so why is that? It's because the, the same pattern of uh, on and off genes is carried across generations. Now, right. we're just beginning to learn about this. So how do we change this? Well, if you, if you think about having kids, don't smoke marijuana. Mm-hmm. And for parents especially, for mothers, I think 11% of pregnant women in North America smoke marijuana. I believe it was 12 Twelve percent, a little bit more. Well, eleven point nine. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so, smoke marijuana. What does this do? If it's synthetic marijuana, do you know what this causes, Kimberly? Um, and encephalitis. So the lack of a brain. Lack of the frontal lobes. That's right. They're born with about the front half of their brain missing. So it's very similar to fetal alcohol syndrome, if I recall. It's worse. Uh, fetal alcohol syndrome. You're still born, right? Yeah. Uh, but with this stuff, you is is usually fatal. You're born without half, all your frontal lobes are missing, right? Mm-hmm. And so are a big chunk of it. This is usually seen with synthetic marijuana. And a lot of people say, well, it's synthetic. Don't stay away from synthetic. Well, it's kind of like concussive syndrome. You're in a boxing ring, you get smacked, you get knocked out. And you get up and you seem okay. And they, look at, they do a scan on you and your brain seems normal. You get knocked out again and knocked out again and concussion again, concussion again. And eventually you end up with concussive syndrome, okay? When did the damage start? First time. First hit. And so, uh, yes, we're seeing this tremendous damage um, with uh, synthetics, but that means that phytochemicals that have been genetically modified, uh, yay, BC bud, we're number one, you guys, <laughs> uh, um, uh, is causing damage from the very first toke. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I know people that say, well, my, my parents smoked marijuana. I turned out okay. Yeah, you did. You got 120 IQ, which is, wow, it's a standard deviation, a bit above normal. You would have had 140. Thank you, Mom. 
Yeah. So where would you have been without that? Right. And a lot of people say, well, you can't say that marijuana causes cancer, you know, because these people, they smoke cigarettes and, and they're doing cocaine and, and, and they're, you know, needling up. And how can you say this did this? Well, here it comes. It's, we could say this is a distinction without a difference. We're making a distinction here, but there's no difference. So let's say I go to get a job, but I don't prepare because I'm, I'm stoned, but I'm also drinking alcohol, you know. Um, does it matter that marijuana had 40% of it and alcohol had 50% to do with it? Not really. No. So I end up with cancer because I'm smoking cigarettes and token up, and a lot of people do that, mm -hmm. and I die 10 years sooner than I should. Does it matter that marijuana contributed 60 and cigarettes contributed 40? Probably not. Because some of the carcinogens in marijuana are three to four to five times more prevalent in marijuana smoke. Mm -hmm. And so we, we've learned about cigarette smoke and secondhand smoke, right, causing cancer in, in people. You got George Burns there, who, <laughs> genetically, <laughs> he was a rock, you know, smoke a cigar or two a day, drink mm -hmm. a shot of whiskey, and lived to be over 100 years old. His secretary died secondhand smoke years before. But <laughs> he was a rock. That's right. And so what you can say so causes it. Yeah. Um, distinction without a difference. Mm -hmm. If you, I think Volkow said it best, if you smoke uh, marijuana, you will not reach your potential. You're not going to reach your academic potential, certainly. You're not going to reach your romantic potential either. This is the brain again, competitive plasticity. Where's your pleasure going? Is it going towards a drug or is it going towards your mate? Okay. And so now uh, women of alcoholics will see this too. Their mates get more pleasure out of alcohol than out of the mate or out of sex right. with the mate. Hmm, interesting. And heroin is the same thing. Yeah. After a while, they want the, the, the heroin and not the sex. They'll do sex for heroin. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Very interesting. Very interesting. Well, it's just the way the brain works, right? Yeah. And this is where the psychology mixes with the physiology, mixes with the medicine, mixes with science. This is a transdisciplinary viewpoint here mm -hmm. of how this all works together. And basically, if you look at the brains of addicts, they're different than the brains of non-users. Right. How, how is that? Well, ethics or not, there have been studies where they've taken naive users, people that don't do cocaine, mm -hmm. they give them a couple shots of cocaine and um, for three shots in a row for a week. And then they stay off cocaine for a year. They come back into a room and, and they put them in the um, PET scan, positron emission tomography scanner to yeah. see what part of the brain's active. And they'll mention cocaine related words or show them a bong <laughs> or whatever they got high on. Uh, and their brains will light up like addicts mm -hmm. one year later, three exposures. So we're seeing permanent changes here. I mean, uh, you get an A in a course and you go, yeah, I feel good. You know, uh, you get a, your girlfriend says she loves you. I feel good. Uh, you take a hit of cocaine. Whoa. <laughs> right. Um, and if you keep doing that, then your brain responds by, you have fewer synapses in the pleasure area. So it wants that bang, right? Mm -hmm. It wants the bang. And uh, if you're on it for a while, then you'll have fewer synapses because you're burning it out. Uh, you're going to produce less of the happy drug, usually dopamine, um, but it could be opiates, naturally occurring ones, and less of those. And so when you try to go off this drug, you feel like you've fallen in the deepest, darkest pit ever. And your girlfriend says, I love you. 
I, I really appreciate you trying to quit. And he go, it goes, <laughs> a little drop in the pool. That's <laughs> nothing. Yeah. Uh, you get an A on a test because you study. And he goes, what do I need? I need something to make me feel alive again. I need, um, what do I need, Josh? Some kind of drug. Oh, a little bit of cocaine. Just, just a little bit of the hair of the dog that bit me. That's all I need, you know. And I'll be okay. Yeah. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> uh, we work with alcoholics sometimes. And um, yeah, rightly or wrongly. I, I don't know if this is. I'm out of that now. So uh, guys comes in court ordered. Mm-hmm. Yeah, abstinence program. And uh, so we say, okay, uh, you've been drug free for a week here. You have a little bottle. One of these little things you get in your hotel room little bottle of alcohol mm-hmm. and you put it in front of him you see him, ding ears come up or you can call your wife right now we walk out of the room well under a second he's on that bottle and he drinks her back and spits it out because it's tea we're not stupid but we've recorded him right and we show that picture to his wife and his family in front of him right or wrong oh geez uh does the mean does the do the ends justify the means it shows him who he is. Right. He chooses booze over his family. He chooses drugs over his family. Yeah. So if you're out there smoking dope and you think it's not affecting your kids, it is. They'll know you're smoking dope and they'll call you a hypocrite when you say not to. If you're out there drinking booze in your house and you say, don't smoke that, don't, <laughs> they'll call you a hypocrite. If you're smoking cigarettes, you can say, well, this is a nootropic. And uh, if you're after a nootropic, I would... I'd, recommend modafinil but that's fine <laughs> you have to get that from your doctor though and so and something else too uh, a lot of people think that uh, opiates are addictive they aren't what do you think kimberly what would you say? i don't know i think i might disagree with you there, there you go. i'll rephrase the question if you're in tremendous pain and you take opiates are they as addictive hmm, hmm. there it is okay so a lot of people, if they're in pain, uh, end-of-life stuff, uh, the uh, opiates aren't even close to as addictive if you're doing it for rec- just doing it for recreation. Mm-hmm. So those people that are actually getting medical um, signatures from a doctor because they're in uh, emotional or physical pain that isn't done by something else um, don't tend to be addicted to these things Psych- as much. Psychologically or physically? Well, uh, I have a problem. Um, as a brain-based psychologist, mm-hmm. uh, we tend to believe that the brain is the psyche. Uh, if you go different philosophies, you get into dualism, that kind of stuff, which is interesting. But uh, psychological is just micro-physiological. Right. So, but here it is. Um, so at TRU, it's, we banned the recreation use of marijuana because it makes you stupid. It cuts back on your short-term memory. It cuts back on your long-term memory. It cuts back on your motivation. And you, you t- kind of need memory and motivation to uh, get ahead in the university. Right. You know? So um, in addition, if you actually have surgery uh, during a semester, uh, Kimberly, what do you think? Students that have surgery in a semester, they get put out with a general anesthetic. How do they do? It's pretty hard to make a comeback after that. Yeah. You usually have to wait an entire semester for the drug to clear your brain. Really? Yes. Oh. Whoa. Well, because I got uh, surgery last semester. How did your grades do? Um, I took a lot more classes, but they were they were all right. They were all right. Yeah, I got around a three. Did your brain feel hard? Was it harder to study? Um, 
Yeah. Uh, I also, I mean, the question about opiates was more, um, cause I went through, cause when I like for my, um, for my Achilles, I got opiates Yeah. and then long-term pain. Yeah. And I went through, I didn't go through much psychological withdrawal, but I went through physical withdrawal. So that's interesting. That was a point. Yeah. And so you had, I, I would say you're highly motivated to succeed. I would like to think so. So your motivation pushed you through the, the cloudiness in your brain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the first week you got back to university after you had your surgery, how was your energy? It was low for the majority of the semester. It was low. Yeah. What does that mean? Low energy. Probably a low amount of firing of dopamine. It was low, low, your brain has been altered, right? Mm-hmm. But you had to push through that again. Competitive plasticity. You got one shot of this stuff, right? During right. the surgery. And you had these pills you took afterwards mm-hmm. and you had to continually fight against that. So, uh, and so you see what happened with competitive. Yeah. You were fighting the drug mm-hmm. and I don't know if that with that if that means that uh, when you're fighting the drug, if you have less pain medication in your system. Well, I was also trying to I was trying to limit my the amount that I was taking, both because I think that feeling pain isn't necessarily a bad thing. I think that it can increase you your pain tolerance. The amount. Yeah. yeah, no, exactly. What I mean too is this: that you're drunk and you're a driver, mm-hmm. and you see the lights come on behind you, red and blue. And you you go, sober up just like that. How do you do that? Your brain just releases adrenaline. It releases adrenaline and other things to wake you up. Right. It kills the mood right there. (laughs) So we have the ability to do that if we have the motivation to do that. Right. Yeah. Okay. Very cool. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there was a point you made earlier about the concussions. And they're actually, I've been looking into it quite a bit. They're using THC, THC more so than CBD to to treat traumatic brain injury because it's actually shutting down uh, neurons in the brain. So, uh, I believe it's, you, you want to start taking it three to seven days. If you're sorry, if you, you shouldn't necessarily be expecting traumatic brain injury, but for sports like football or hockey, less, less hockey now, but football still is quite predominant in concussions. So that could be something that the NFL could potentially look into is allowing the legalization of marijuana within the, within the athletics, because then, they're going to have to deal with less concussions, which I think is the main problem that's going on with football. Interesting. Uh, I would like you to send me that paper and yeah. take a look at yeah, it. Yeah, sure thing. Do you know who published that? Um, no, I'm not sure. My friend Michael in my neuropsych class did a presentation on traumatic brain injury and how THC is being yeah. used to treat that. Find so, the paper. That would yeah. be great. Yeah, yeah. Because I would think that you can have a bit of THC, but mainly CBD. Mm-hmm. Now, I make a big distinction between CBD and THC. Yeah. And um, what happened in BC was a sad thing when they released the CBD oil and rumors had it and they actually did a recall because they said they mixed high (laughs) THC in with the CBD oil. Oh my God. Uh, Mislabeled it. No, then we made a mistake about mislabeling. Oh my God. (laughs) Not good. If you go to a drugstore and uh, you go to pick up um, a pain pill and it is three times the amount they said on there. Mm-hmm. That's not good. Yeah. If you're if you're playing at being a pharmaceutical house and you release drugs that may or may not be tainted with something else, well, that's really bad. And I think they deserve a slap for that. Yeah. They were so hurried to get this stuff out onto market and make a profit, they sort of tossed to the side, you know, 
safety for the general population. Was there a class action lawsuit that went along with that? There is a class action lawsuit still going up there against them. Yeah. And so it'll be interesting to see uh, what the levels of the THC in the product were. Right. See, I I take a a CBD oil and it's, yeah, I I find it, it's quite good for like anti-inflammatory purposes. Yeah. And it's, it's also what people, I mean, I don't think many people know this, but it's, I think it's what typically helps to solve the anxiety that's related with smoking marijuana like people use marijuana as mm-hmm. an anti-anxiety drug but i think that's that's cbd which is interesting to me because that might have some effect with anxiety being more in the peripheral nervous system mm-hmm. rather than the central uh with me too it's the um if anybody's out there actually bought some of this um cbd oil you think you got a tainted batch contact me mm-hmm. because we'll put your name on this thing and that'd be great you want to throw down your email again uh cmontoya at tru.ca yeah, there we go. <laughs> Another signature? <laughs> Another signature on the list. That's yeah. right. Uh, we also have what's called cannabis hypermesis syndrome. Mm-hmm. And I like asking Kimberly is, hmm? Hyperemesis. Hyperemesis. I'm going to turn it over to Kimberly because she loves emesis. No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> what is it, Kimberly? It is where you vomit excessively after smoking cannabis. <laughs> <laughs> And so um, uh, doctors are trying to treat this now. There's a paper by Ian Mitchell, a recent one, where they're trying to treat it so it stops the throwing up all the time. And these um, people um, take showers or take hot baths to mm-hmm. stop the uh, throwing up. So what's the cause? Hey, uh, marijuana. <laughs> but what's, what would be the physiological component that would result in that? Would it just be too much? I mean, oh, I, the, the, I, li- the tr- I like this answer about hypermesis. We don't know at this point right but when they stop smoking marijuana they stop vomiting vomiting yes mm-hmm. but they tend not to want to stop smoking marijuana because they're addicted addicted and so they're, they're trying things like antipsychotics on them that kind of stuff mm-hmm. and other kind of drugs and where the doctors just say just stop smoking it yeah your body's telling you something right mm-hmm. every time you smoke stuff you start throwing up if you have this hypermesis syndrome hyper Emesis, she calls it, yeah. Um, <laughs> syndrome, then um, stop. Right. Yeah. If, if you're, <laughs> I love this part too. Uh, if you're an RCP officer and you smoke marijuana, how long do you have to wait before you go back on duty? I'd like to say 30 days. 30 days. Yeah. If you're a Vancouver police officer, how long? Hour? Se- seven days. Oh, okay. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> seven days. I think it's three to seven. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. I thought it was 24 hours. Really? I think so. What is that? There's a debate going on. 24 hours? I think it's 24 hours for VPD. Uh, if you're an airplane, airplane pilot, I think it's 72 hours. That I don't know. And, and wow. They, oh, yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yes. And so these people are carrying guns and they're, and oh my. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think uh, we've jumped into the middle of this uh, legalization of marijuana uh, and we don't really have a test for it. Like if you've been drinking, breathalyzer nails you like that right if you've been smoking marijuana there aren't any inexpensive tests they can use well especially quick because quick ones that's right it, i mean determining whether someone smoked within the past 24 hours is impossible unless you're doing something like mm-hmm. a blood test if you talk to uh yeah there and, and i've been talking to people but no one seems to have this really quick inexpensive test to determine how stoned you are mm-hmm. and so and some people argue that and i like this argument they go, well, if you're an experienced dope smoker, then you can handle it. Well, if you're an experienced alcoholic, you can handle more too, but still, 
point oh eight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so no, that argument doesn't fly. Uh, the other thing I want to talk about is um, psychosis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. Yeah, psychosis, complete break from reality. And uh, some people, when they smoke marijuana, they go immediately into a psychotic episode. Can you explain a psychotic episode? A psychotic episode is different from neurosis. Uh, with a neurosis, uh, you know something is wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know it's not real. With a psychosis you think Mickey Mouse is there. <laughs> right. And he's chatting with you too loud to hear anybody else around you. You believe people are out to get you. Mm-hmm. you and you're violent. You'll violently defend yourself. And so uh, they're, they're saying that people who uh, smoke marijuana and who have any type of mental illness in their family are at a higher risk for developing a psychotic break, an early one, which if you, if you develop an early break, there's different types of psychoses, but... Early breaks tend to be worse than middle breaks or late breaks are the best to have. Mm-hmm. If you can say a psychotic break is best, but uh, if you if you're smoking it as a young person, you have this psychosis. Um, then it's not good. Uh, psychosis would. <laughs> here we go. Uh, you're in a doctor's office and they say, "Well, why are you here? Uh, I hear voices." Okay, and are the voices telling you bad things? Yes, and they're waiting. <laughs> That's not good. Yeah. Uh, the doctor usually asks you, are, are you suicidal? No. I, I think it's wrong to kill yourself, but maybe to sacrifice myself would be okay. Mm-hmm. And your ears come up behind the sacrifice. That's a different set of words. Well, and the, the, negative, the negative voices are heard more prominently in North America, whereas yes. Eastern societies, it's more positive voices, actually, which is and interesting. Why, and here comes, why is that, do you suppose? Because we're a lot more negative towards each other and ourselves, I think. Because, <laughs> because the voice is actually... Um, I was looking at a MRI scan the other day of someone with schizophrenia. And their Broca's area was lighting up, which is the what we use to produce speech. Mm-hmm. So that's actually... That's our own voice telling us what's going on. So I feel like that's some kind of Jungian subconscious going on. <laughs> the Jungian subconscious. I love this. Let's get back to the Eastern versus Western. Mm-hmm. Um for a lot of Europeans, um, just generational, we haven't been exposed to that much marijuana. We've been exposed more to alcohol. Right. Okay. And that's interesting. Um, and so it's like the mosquito swamp. I always go back to the mosquito swamp. Um, back in the 40s and 50s and 60s, uh, we started using DDT on mosquitoes. Yeah. And the first time you hit the mosquito swamp, bang, you know, 98% done. Mm-hmm. Is people rejoicing? Yay! The mosquitoes are gone, and it's nice. A lot of diseases are mosquito-borne, um, but over ten years, it's about seventy-five percent. You know, another ten years, it's fifty percent, and the percentage. I'm just telling less the story. Less and less, less yeah. and less and less, because the mosquitoes that survived built up a tolerance to this. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like antibiotic-resistant bacteria. Exactly like that. That's right. They built a tolerance. So eventually, the DDT levels are so high, it started killing um, eagles because their eggshells are too thin. Yeah. And so we stopped using DDT because it was no longer effective. What was that book that that girl wrote? Um, a Songless Spring. Mm. That's what that's what uh, gave awareness to the DDT. Yeah. The whole problem mm-hmm. with that, yeah. But again, and it's like us. So if, if you've been exposed to, because of your culture, hey, man, that's the doobie. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, then you're going to have a different experience mm-hmm. than a person who has not been exposed to that genetically over generations. Right. We haven't built the tolerance. On the other hand... Uh, white Western European types, uh, great tolerance for alcohol. Yeah, uh, Scotch, uh, 
<laughs> Scotch, um, Scottish people, Germans, Irish. <laughs> Can I say that? On, on the, I'm not sure. <laughs> I always had a joke about the Irish. Uh, English, uh, yeah, great tolerance for that. But when the alcohol came over to the New World, they weren't used to distilled alcohol and just hammered them, right? And so, but they, they, they gave us something back just as good. They gave us tobacco, mm-hmm. and we weren't used to that. And so you see, you know, 40,000 people still barfing up their lungs and dying from cancer, from tobacco-related uh, illnesses. Um, and the First Nations still getting hammered by the alcohol because yeah. they didn't have that tolerance built up. Well, my friend is indigenous population, and I can drink him under the table. Oh, yeah, because yeah. genetically, what's your gene- what are your genetics? Irish. Irish. Yeah. So I'm, I'm perfectly, I'm ready for it. So maybe you could tell the joke. Uh, Why did God create alcohol? For the Irish. For, so so the, to get so, rid of the water. So the Irish wouldn't rule the world. <laughs> 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 and so, yeah. Oh, my God. Um, and you're going to find, too, that uh, we're, we're doing this um, mixture, right? The mosaic thing and, and the melting pot thing and all this kind of stuff. And... And, and we have this, this problem, like the, they said that uh, when Columbus came over, uh, smallpox wiped out the indigenous. Yeah. We got something back. Uh, syphilis, syphilis yeah. plagues came from yeah, South America. Right. Yeah. So whenever we get together, we seem to share the worst things of our society, <laughs> the diseases and the drugs. And it makes me laugh because uh, I'm a Métis. Mm-hmm. I'm a one-sixth Apache Indian. Uh, I, I could be Navajo now. I don't know where. Yeah, it's, it's, I did the genetic test, right? So I found out I'm one six, so that a lot more than I thought. Yeah. Um, but we tend to share these really bad things, the diseases and the drugs, and but over time, I'm I'm hoping that we all end up kind of um, coffee-colored skin with nice dark brown kinky hair. <laughs> And sort of slanted eyes as we all mix together, but the the road to be getting there is going to be a little bumpy. Yeah, yeah. An interesting thing, going back to the psychosis, an interesting thing that I found was that it's not actually increasing the amount of psychoses happening, but it's just increasing the rate at which it happens to someone. Who, and and when it happens, it happens yeah, earlier. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And the severity. Yeah. 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 Um, the Australians actually did a really interesting study, uh, reaching back in, into when I was doing my PhD program. They took kids uh, that had parents who were schizophrenic, mm-hmm. and they put them on the antipsychotic medications at five years old, six years old, seven years old. Interesting, before they showed any symptoms at all. Yeah. And they found a lower incidence of psychosis in those kids than they would have predicted. Really? Yes. Wow. That's fantastic, isn't it? I would have expected something to, like some tolerance to be built up and then an earlier onset psychosis, but well, whatever really it was, because you have the predisposition, yeah. then you have the social pounding away at it right nature right. nurture thing going mm-hmm. and so he took the nurture out of it and some of them flew through it not all of them but some yeah very cool that's very interesting any other questions about marijuana because i have a acc meeting to go to um <laughs> uh no not not that i can think of um polar bear sex next time polar bear sex next time why not all yes. right okay perfect thank you very much Josh. yeah thank you so much Bye-bye. that was awesome